Hello, hello, and welcome to the first major gigantuan NBA kickoff extravaganza. We are going to be running through everything today. MVP, 1 through 8, East and West, uh, Coach of the Year, the headlines we think are going to dominate. And to break all that down, as always, our NBA analyst, specialist, tape reviewer, yeah, Oracle. Leo, how you doing? Ooh, Oracle. I kind of like that last one. Leo the Oracle. We're giving I might it have out. To put that on a shirt or something. No, I'm feeling good, man. The NBA's back. You know it's my favorite time of year. Let's get into the shit. Let, it is great. NFL's kicking off. I come out of a huge win Monday with the Browns, so I am on top of the world. Um, and what we're going to start with, let's start real basic. Uh, we, we will get into some gambling, but first, we're going to take a look at seeding one through eight in the east and the west. So but our, our format for that is I'm going to start. Leo, I'm going to roll through my eight in the east. You stop me at anything that may sound crazy, and then you'll run through your east and I'll do the same. Then we'll flip over to the West. Sound good? All right, go ahead and kick us off. Okay, number one, Milwaukee. I see no reason why that changes. Number two, Philly. New coach, new attitude. Actually may see some good basketball this year from them. Number three, I've got Brooklyn. Uh, one thing I think completely underrated about Brooklyn, their bench is really good. They're a deep fucking team. Um, my little surprise babies, I've got the Washington Wizards on the four seed all the way up there. Um, I have Miami at five. I have Boston at six. I have Toronto at seven. And then my play-in game is going to come down to Charlotte and Atlanta. Anything crazy? We actually have the exact same eight teams. <laughs> and we have them in a different order. I have the Sixers coming in with the number one seed this year. Wow. I feel like the Bucks are, they took a step back in terms of their regular season roster, I think. Uh, but I think that the team is a little more built for the playoffs now. So I say that they take just a slight step back into the two seed. I do have the Bucks coming in the two seed. I have Nets at three, Celtics at four, Heat at five, Raptors at six. Wizards at seven, and I have the Atlanta Hawks winning a play-in tournament. Uh, I didn't write who they'd be playing against, but I'm going to guess it's going to be or either Orlando or Charlotte, Charlotte will be the teams that they'll be playing. I have Atlanta winning that eighth seed. Okay. Who'd you have winning the eighth seed? You had Charlotte winning that I have Atlanta winning it. Okay. All right. So we have the exact same eighth. We, I think we have, which is, which is really interesting. But I want I want to talk about one key point. Uh, for a headline that I think is going to kind of dominate this year. Not dominate, but you'll see it pop up. Okay, let's take a look at this East team and how many of them over the last three, four years have been a playoff team, right? Milwaukee, yes. Philly, yes. Um, Brooklyn, no. Uh, Washington, no. Miami, yes. Boston, yes. Toronto, yes. And Brooklyn then has been a playoff team. They has, just haven't done anything in the playoffs. Right. I, I guess, I mean, they have been a playoff team. They're just not like a recurring, you're in every year type of team. In the NBA, you have these teams where like, you're fucking in every year, right? Like, you're in. They have been a playoff team. You are right. You are 100% right. So, out of those eight, right? And then the bottom of it, obviously, being Orlando, Charlotte, ATL. Out of those eight, seven of those teams are mainstays over the last four years of the east right 
There's no, we're not expecting upheaval in the East by any moves. You don't expect this to, this is, the East is now the competitive side of the world. The West is no longer the competitive side of the world. It seems that everybody's now loaded up in the East. I'm going to disagree with you on that. Okay. Uh, I think that the East is more competitive top to bottom. Uh, yep. But that's not because they're the more, you know, that they're the better conference now. I just think that the teams in the East are closer to each other than the teams in the West. I would probably take the first four seeds in the West over any East team if it came down to a final series. However, I think there's more parity in the Eastern Conference now. There's more teams that could be competitive with each other. It used to be very top-heavy. Yep. And, and, and you know, another thing that I'm, I'm looking at on that side that I go, I think it's, the East is going to be kind of chalky and predictable, and, and we'll get to the West next. I, I'm, I'm interested to see the East. You have, you know, Milwaukee, Giannis, five-year deal. He's going to be there a while. Philly, they have all the young stars. They're going to be there a while. Brooklyn may be a two-year deal. Uh, but they, they look locked in, um, at least for the next two. Miami looks like a long-term team. Boston and Toronto look like a long-term team. It's interesting. The East, uh, you're right. I do agree that the top half of the West is stronger. But the East seems to have more mainstays, uh, mainstays with younger talent. And let's flip to the West now. Give me, run through your one through eight in playoff. All right, my one through eight in the West, number one seed, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. They just won the championship. They improved more than any other team in the Western Conference. And they were the number one seed last year with a worse uh, roster. So I'm going to give the number one seed to the L.A. Lakers again. Number two, I have the Denver Nuggets. I think that Denver might be for real this season if they can get real contribution from Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull and the other slew of young guys that they have over there. They've been doing a great job drafting lately. I think that the Nuggets can come through for that number two seed. Number three, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, They speak for themselves, really. They have Kawhi. They have Paul George. I can't really put them lower than third without feeling a little crazy. Yep. Uh, in the fourth spot, I do have the Mavs surging up the conference a little bit. I have the Mavericks finishing in the fourth seed, and that's pending uh, not Luka Doncic, but Kristaps uh, Porzingis' health. If Kristaps can give us close to a full season, this should be a top half of the West type team. If Kristaps can't give us a full season, or if Luka goes down for whatever reason, then this team is going to be towards the bottom of the Western playoff picture. I think as long as Luka is playing and healthy, they'll be in the playoffs. Uh, Porzingis will just determine what their ceiling is. Uh, For the fifth spot, I've got the Blazers. Uh, You know, the Blazers, they added Robert Covington in the offseason. They did a lot to shore up some of the holes that they had on the roster. Obviously, they still have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So I I like the Blazers personally. I know a lot of people are a little tired of them, might be a little gassed out on that team, but I'm not. I think that they have potential as long as they can stay healthy. Number six, I have the Houston Rockets. That is as long as they don't trade James Harden within the next month or two. I I think that their roster is better than it has been in the last couple years. And as long as James Harden feels like playing basketball with John Wall and Boogie and, you know, as long as they can stay healthy, they'll be a playoff team. I just don't see them being a top half of the team or a top half of the Western Conference, excuse me, especially not with a rookie head coach. And then to round out seven and eight, I have the Phoenix Suns. And I have the Utah Jazz winning a play-in tourney. I kind of felt like I disrespected the Jazz a little bit by having them 
you know, in a playoff turning fight. But the other seven teams in the West feel like locks to me as long as they stay healthy. Yep. So I still give love to the Jazz by having them win the playing tournament, probably against the New Orleans or maybe San Antonio, Memphis, one of those teams. Uh, but I do think that the Jazz sneak in there. Okay. I, we're identical one through five. Identical. I have Lakers, Denver, Clippers, Dallas, Portland. That's my one through five. So we are lockstep there. Um, again, That's funny how similar our lists are. I know. We didn't talk about this beforehand. We did not. We, we were expecting more difference. Now, here's the thing. I did not put Houston in the playoffs. I don't think Harden stays there. Did you see that? You know, Santa Claus is coming to town, and he is in <laughs> Houston right now because – but you know, Papa Harden, he has been spreading the wealth at a couple few individual clubs for gentlemen, as well as obviously preparing for a long winter. He looks like he put on 40 pounds of human. And I I think that is a bad sign for a for it's a 72 game season, man. That's how he showed up to start the season. What happens when lockdown ends? I mean, whew, I don't know. I don't. I, I think that he does get traded. I don't have Houston in there. I have Utah. You go ahead. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that James Harden has been doing too much of lockdown. No. Uh, no watching no. their preseason game last night, he definitely looked heavier than he normally does. Uh, but some of those pictures I saw floating around online were they looked a little embellished yeah you know, he didn't look bad like, angles yeah he, he didn't look like he was obese out there when i was watching the game he he's a thick guy by nature yeah but i think that yeah he, he's definitely a little out of shape right now maybe he's going with the uh, chris paul approach where he plays himself into shape through the season and that and and maybe i just that's not normally what we see and we know he's not happy so um i took them out for now i have my six seed is utah my seventh seed is Phoenix. My eighth seed is a play-in game between New Orleans and Memphis. And New Orleans wins. So the only real difference is um, I've got New Orleans in and Houston out because I believe Harden will be traded. Uh, so lists besides that seem pretty locked tight. So let me stop you there. You have New Orleans winning the play-in tournament and making the playoffs this season. Mm -hmm. Is that you saying Brandon Ingram and Zion are, are going to take a big step and carry this team forward? Or how do you think that they take the next leap? Because I would like for them to make the playoffs. I just think that they might still be a guy short. I think that the back half of the West is weak. And I think that when you look at who's going to be at the bottom here fighting, so here are the teams they have to squeak through. Okay, Houston, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of eliminating Houston because Harden's gone. And I don't really know what we're going to get from an injured John Wall and an injured Boogie. Yeah, they have some pieces around them. First-year coach, first-year GM. Har Russell's gone. Harden wants out. There's a lot of turmoil to start the year and with players coming off injury. So let's put them on the side right now as an unknown. Take a look at the, the rest of the West. Okay, so I Oklahoma City. No. Uh, Minnesota. It, it, it is an absolute heartbreaker what's happening to Cat. Um, but I, I don't see them coming I mean, out. He chose to sign an extension there. I don't. My heart's not broken. He oh. chose the money. 
I'm talking about what's happening with him in COVID. I don't give a fuck what happens to him on the court. Uh, before okay, COVID, okay. he has a lot of family. I think it's, there was an article that said he lost he, his mom to COVID. It also said that he lost five family members to COVID. And wow. he's been managing a large group of his family, trying to tell them, you know, update them with important things. And I think it, I think it shines a little light on not everyone has access to all the means of information that and good information. Um, so, you know, it, it sucks what's happening to him. Uh, as far as a basketball player, I never thought he was, you know, an ultimate player, but let's move on. Um, so we go, okay, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, that's who that's who would be at the bottom. Neither one of them do it for me. Sacramento doesn't do it for me. Um, so then you have to move to the Southwest. In the Southwest, the teams that could make it out of there are San Antonio, Memphis, and then New Orleans. And I say, well, out of those, out of those seven, I'm left with who do I think is the most talent? Who do I think is the best shot at making it? And I think Zion is a really, really good player who's who's lost a lot of. It looks like he trimmed down some of the muscle, so he'll be leaner, which I think is a huge part of his development. Um, so I have New Orleans in there as kind of a. I think they're going to be a mainstay for the next couple years. Uh, I believe this team is ready not to compete for titles, but to be like that frisky team. You know, they're just going to be a frisky team. All right, so now I got a follow-up question for you because I feel like we might both be tripping a little bit here. Are we sleeping on Steph Curry? No, um, and and I had thought about that for a while because they have Wiggins, right? So they've got they have uh, Wiggins. They still have Draymond, yep. Steph Curry, Wiseman, who they just drafted. Yep. like there's some bones there. Kelly Oubre. There are some bones there. You know, maybe it wouldn't surprise me if they make it. Here's here's my problem. Clay does more than everyone really realizes. Everyone looked at Draymond as kind of the glue guy, um, and and he was right. He did a lot of the stat things, rebounding, good defense. But Clay is also a is an A defender, but an A bucket getter as well. And he doesn't require the ball at all to be a bucket getter. You can pass the ball to him eight times. Him dribble the ball three total times and score six threes. And you're like, wow, that's it. You know, that's an easy way to get 20. He 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 just Clay is is, in my opinion, where are you still gonna try to get those 25 you can get from Clay? And I don't I don't think Draymond's going to be that guy. Um, no, no. The only chance is that Wiggins finally realizes his potential and turns into that guy. That's what they need, honestly. That's what they need. I just don't think you're ever going to get that from him. And so I'm not counting them out. I actually have a little thing for Steph later. Um, but I just go, you know, I don't know if you have the fucking firepower to get 110 points a night. And you know what? You may be right. I may be discounting the shit out of what they're capable of doing. I just know Steph isn't a very good defender. You lose Clay. Wiggins isn't a very good defender. Ubre's a nice piece. Ubre, I look at Ubre a lot like I look at like if you acquire like Trevor Ariza. I'm like they're kind of. I feel like they fill kind of yeah, the same yeah, role. Similar role, three and D, long wing. Robert Covington, PJ Tucker. They're like you know different variances of what they do, but kind of the same fit on your team. You know, mentally, I guess. So you know. I don't know if we're tripping. We're going to find out. But I just don't know where you pick up your defense from Clay and you pick up your points. You had yeah. you had Steph for part of last year. You had Draymond. You had Wiggins. And you were the worst team in the West. So it's like 
how much better are you fully healthy? Are you going to be fully healthy? Can you sprint through the year? We could be totally wrong. Steph could set the world on fire. Um, but I just don't know where you stop another team as well. Who's your big? Who's going to stop um, the other bigs in this in, in the West? It's got to be Wiseman. I mean, that's what they drafted him for. They drafted this seven-foot monster yep. to, you know, to be He's that. He's a rookie. Protector, rim runner. We'll see if he is that. But I'm kind of with you in that as soon as Clay went down, my feelings about this team went down with him. Yep. Because, like you say, he doesn't require the ball. He's the team's best perimeter defender. Uh, I think, a hot take, but I think he might be the best shooter on that team. And um, without him, I just don't feel as good about the team. Could they make the playoffs? Absolutely. But if you're going to ask me to predict right now, I can't predict them in the playoffs without their second most important piece. That's like, you know, if, if LeBron lost AD. Yeah. Be sitting here like, ah, not feeling as good suddenly. You know, They're a playoff team. Clay Thompson. Right. They're a playoff team, but what are they after that? You, it's it's not often you lose your your second best player. And when we talk about second best, we're talking about Hall of Fame player. It's not often you lose a Hall of Fame player in his peak and recover, right? I think we can all admit that. We're not knocking the Warriors. We're just saying if you said, hey, like your point, 80s out, Bron, how are you doing? He's like, well, luckily we have some pieces that we picked up. But you're not you are not the title favorite. And and you know, you don't have LeBron in in Golden State. You you have Curry. Curry is not LeBron. Um it, there's just different elements that LeBron can give you that Curry will never give you. Now, vice versa, but it's basketball fundamentals. LeBron covers more of the floor in terms of assists, rebounds, points, uh field general, defensive mindset. Even offensive mindset, a play calling, uh, what the other teams tend to it's just too much. So I don't really see it. Um, one thing I want to talk about, about this division, like I said in the East, we have a lot of teams that are recurring. In the West, did we just see a turnover? And, and here's what I mean. Lakers are now a mainstay in the playoffs with LeBron. But fast forward one year, and the Lakers really hadn't been in the playoffs or weren't really relevant for a, for a good chunk of time. And there are a couple teams that the Clippers had dismantled from the, uh, you know, Dunk City, uh, Lob City. They had dismantled. They were a long mainstay. Um, Dallas has resurged last year. But before that, you know, they were waiting on Luka. They were just pedaling around. Um, Utah picks up Donovan Mitchell, starts to make a run. Phoenix this year we're talking about being a potential playoff team. New Orleans is resurgent. Um, and, and with that, we see certain teams that may fall out. San Antonio is no longer relevant. Houston, without you know looking at losing Harden and being from a finals contender to out of the playoffs entirely. We just mentioned Golden State, who, who seems to be cast to the side. There was a point of time where... Um, Memphis was the grit and grind, and now they are in rebuild mode. Unlike the East, where I think there there hasn't been too much turnover besides the Cavaliers, who it was just wherever LeBron went, and and perhaps the Indiana Pacers. I think the West the the, the West has turned over from its old guard, and I, I for, even forgot to mention the Oklahoma City Thunder from that old guard in the West. But I think that 
we are seeing a transition to new heights and powers in the West that I think took hold last week, last year. Um, but a lot of these mainstays are in rebuild mode. And the West is seeing some new heads kind of take over. And, and look, the, the Clippers team, they don't have anyone except Lou Williams from that past. They, they were new players. The Lakers, Kuzma, that's it. The, 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 these teams have turned over. And I think it's an interesting dynamic where you look at the East and the East started rebuilding a couple years ago and is now starting to come into their own where the West, a lot of these powerhouses are going back to earth and having to retool. And, and I think that makes the West for me, the back half of the West, the most exciting part of the season to watch because we could see Phoenix, like we talked about, New Orleans, uh, maybe Memphis surprises people. Um, we're starting to see kind of these 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 pieces turn over the Lakers with their mercenaries, Los Angeles Clippers with their mercenaries. Denver has turned over that leaf, has a whole new program. So I think for me, it's an interesting dynamic to watch when the East, I feel like, is more set in their ways and the rosters won't change where the West is now the up and coming division with a lot of young talent that's trying to figure itself out. You see, and that's kind of why I gave some pushback earlier when you said that the East may be a little deeper than the West because I think that whoever is in that play-in tournament at the end of the season, that's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. You know, it's going to be very good teams competing for that last spot, whereas in the East, whoever's competing for that last seed is just going to be like, all right, you know. Yeah. Whoever gets in, it's going to be over in four games to whoever's the first seed. You can see a dangerous team end up in that eighth seed in the Western Conference. And that's why I think that the bottom half of the West is is definitely uh, the better of the two conferences. Yeah, I, we're going to – look, I we've got a lot of – I think that the East is going to surprise a lot of people. I think the West, while it has a lot of talent – um, and you are right. The eighth seed in the East is going to end up being like Atlanta or Charlotte. And Charlotte's the only one that may be able to put something together. They have some pieces. Um, I noticed you you made a little slide joke about Gordon Hayward possibly being good um, on Charlotte, and it would be funny. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I was watching, I think, their first preseason – no, their second preseason game I was watching. And I was really watching for LaMelo Ball. But what I noticed was that Gordon Hayward kind of looked like he had a little more pep in his step than what I saw in Boston. And so I, yep. I started thinking, like, is he going to be good in Charlotte? Because <laughs> that would be a great plot twist. So let's transition to what, you know, and, and I'm going to go through a couple headlines. You tell me you can see that happening this year um, or, or, or is that just a completely far-fetched? And let's start with Gordon Hayward. Let's start with the headline. We watch Kyrie succeed this year. We watch Gordon Hayward succeed this year. Do we see headlines under those circumstances where is Boston a toxic culture? Do I think that we're going to see the headline? Yes. Uh, do I think that there's much merit to that? No. Uh, only because these players, uh, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, with Kyrie, we we know what it is with Kyrie. He's bald in every single uniform yep. that he's put on. It's just a matter of whether he's healthy and whether he feels like playing basketball. Uh, with Gordon Hayward, though, I feel like it was a case of too many mouths to feed, not necessarily the culture. And I don't know the culture in Boston, so maybe it is a little bit of a culture issue. But Jason Tatum needs the rock. Jalen Brown needs the rock. Kemba Walker needs the rock. 
even Marcus Smart needs the rock. Yeah. And so, like, at a certain point, there's just not enough rock for, not for enough rock. Yeah. yeah. There's just not enough rock for him. And so, like, I, I do expect him to go to Charlotte and step up his game and kind of look like the old Gordon Hayward because now they're saying, hey, here's the rock. It's yours. You decide what you want to do with it. Your other options are Devontae Graham and Miles Bridges and, you know, a bunch of young guys. So it's kind of his show. And so I expect him to step up. But, no, I, I don't plan on placing the blame on Boston, although I, I would love to see all these people that love Boston turn into success stories just, you know, for rivalry's sake. Yep. But uh, I think that'll be a non-story. All right. Um, here's the next one. Houston in rebuild mode, hardened traded to the 76ers. That one I could definitely see happening, and I kind of feel like that trade for John Wall was them getting ready for that. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, why why do you do that trade if you're getting ready to re? Wouldn't you rather rebuild around Westbrook? Yeah, I I think that. Well, here's the thing. I I I'd have to look at their contracts. It's almost the exact same. They run through the same year. They're making similar money. There's not much of a difference between those two deals. Yeah, then all I can think of is Harden said, I want you know, I want someone else, and they ran Wall by him, and they traded for Wall, and he goes, I don't want that either. And you're like, all right, well, now you fucked us. Um, I think that right now, I think Philly could make a deal to land Houston tomorrow. I think right now there's one on the table. I think Philly is just waiting. Daryl Morey understands the Houston situation better than anyone. And he's sitting by and he, look, if right now Houston goes, look, we have to move Harden. Okay, we're, we're two weeks into the season. He's not playing. He, you know, he's, he's constantly finding issues. When he's out there, he's not giving any effort. The team's not doing well. We have to trade him now, period. Like, we want to move him. If you're Philly, you might be able to keep Simmons and Embiid. Now, I don't think Simmons and Harden can coexist on the court. But if you're Philly, I think the reason this deal hasn't been done yet is Daryl Morey is trying to move Tobias Harris and three firsts and keep Ben Simmons. And the reason for me is that Ben Simmons is worth more than three firsts and Tobias Harris combined. So if you land Harden and you have Embiid and you have Simmons now, you are looking to trade Simmons for any fucking piece on the globe because almost any team will give up a big piece for him. You could also put a shitload of players around him with Simmons. You could go back and get all those firsts you just lost from Houston with Simmons and then trade them in some other way. I think the reason we haven't seen this trade happen yet is Daryl Morey's going to fleece Houston absolutely in a criminal fashion up and down the court. So I think that's going to be a headline. Houston tanks, Harden's traded. Um, I could see it. I could see it. I I don't think I'm as high as Ben Simmons. I'm not as high on Ben Simmons, excuse me, as most people are. I, I do think that he's a, he's a star. I just don't know if he's going to be the franchise player that can lead you to a championship. And if he's not the franchise player that can lead you to a championship – then I'm not trying to give up three firsts and Tobias Harris for him. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, not not for him. The other I, way around. I would yeah. I would rather keep Tobias Harris and try to and move Simmons. Okay. Simmons. I, I just I don't know. I think he's an all star, but I don't 
know if I can see him ascending to superstar. Okay. Let's move to um, a, a, another headline that I think we're going to see this year. Um, Giannis, well, I'd say it's more of a statement. I think Giannis has his best statistical year ever and gets no MVP buzz. I think people are sick of the huge MVP get to the playoffs and then dutter out. And people will be looking for any reason to give anyone else the MVP, despite Giannis having his statistical best season ever. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Giannis could he could average 40 this year. He's not winning MVP. It's just not gonna. They're not gonna nope. give him three in a row. No, and, and and this is a 72 game regular season now, so things are different. Giannis, I believe Giannis ready to take over the whole thing. We I don't know the last time there's been a three-peat MVP. But we know the MVP is mostly media-driven. So with that, let's transition to who we think will win the MVP. Um, I'm going to start with Giannis is plus 425, meaning bet $100, win 425. But do you know who the favorite to win the MVP is right now? Mm, LeBron James. Luka Doncic, 4-1. Ooh. Now, really? I'm going to say that in the NFL right now, I put, I put together a package of players to take to win MVP, right? They were Lamar, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, right? That was the package. Take the three people who have won the MVP. Aaron Rodgers was 25 to 1. Uh, Lamar was 8 to 1. And then um, Patrick Mahomes is, was 4 to 1. Right now in the NFL... The two leading candidates are Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, and there's not a real third. So, you know, I think the uh, that strategy Aaron is going to... Henry. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. After what Cleveland did to you, you eliminated yourselves. Um, it's 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 great. I wish, look, because what was my dark horse call was a running back. But I think the NBA this year, you're going to need to do something similar. I think you're going to need to package a couple people together. I also, because the 72-game season, I'm leaning for players that are younger who are going to play more. 72 games, condensed season, I would bet some players like LeBron James only play 60 games this year. And especially after just playing. They just finished, like two months ago. So I could really see some of those older players that got to the finals taking some rest. Um, which is why I'm going to eliminate. But let's walk through some of the favorites. And I'll, then I'm going to throw out some names for Dark Horses. You tell me if you like any of their odds. And then if anyone I missed, you cover. Sound good? Okay. I, I have my top three here. Do you want to go through yours first? or Let, let me hear your three. Let's break it down. All right. So my top three going into the season. I, I My favorite, I kind of went with your approach. I went with a younger guy, but a younger proven guy. My favorite for MVP this season is Anthony Davis. Okay, I like that. I think that all the eyes are going to be on the Lakers. All the eyes are already on the Lakers given their offseason moves. I do think that LeBron is going to get a little more rest than usual this season because it's a shortened offseason, a shortened regular season. He really only got a month or two to chill before he had to kick it back into gear. Yep. Uh, so I think that Anthony Davis is going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting and everyone is going to be watching. So if the Lakers end up in the number one seed in the league, Anthony Davis really does the heavy lifting through the regular season. I see him winning the MVP award. Number two, I have Kevin Durant. Uh, if Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, then 
he will probably be the favorite to win the MVP. But, you know, like you say, it's media-driven, and so if he comes back and has a great season and the Nets are in play for the one seed, I could see the media saying, hey, KD, you got it, you're back, here's MVP. Uh, And then my dark horse for MVP, uh, because I have the Sixers as the number one seed in the East, Mm. if they're going to accomplish that, I think it's going to be on the back of Joel Embiid. I have Joel Embiid as my number three, and he's my dark horse pick, just because I think that the Sixers might win 55 games, 50 games in this shortened season, and if they do, it's going to be because Embiid averaged something crazy like 29 and 13 with two blocks, and that's that's just my dark horse pick. I think Embiid has a shot if the Sixers are good. Um, I really like that dark horse. That's that's actually one of the one of the packages I've started to roll together. Um, but I'm, I'm a little against the KD thing, uh, strictly because of games amount he'll play. And I, I think he's going to be a freak. I just think that if I said KD's only playing 50 games this year, you're like, that's tough. Missing, uh, missing 25% of the season, then getting the MVP. It's going to be a tough, tough sell. And, And maybe he plays more. Um, but I just think that you're going to have a lot of quick games. You're going to have a lot of shortened, it's a shortened schedule, shortened season. Um, there probably won't be as much need for it, but let's run through some of them in between, uh, Luca and KD and just if anything jumps out at you. Um, Giannis, like we said, four and a half, four, four and a quarter. Steph Curry's fit five to one. That is so fucking high. That that's crazy, right? Five to one for Steph Curry. He's above LeBron James. Yeah, that is crazy. I'm guessing they think that he's going to turn the clock back to 2015. I believe it was when he set the league on fire and then won the championship. Uh, that was five years ago, though. Yes. So I, I'm not banking on Steph Curry to pull that out of his bag, but it's certainly possible. Um, LeBron and AD are both seven to one. I think that makes sense. James Harden eight to one. I just couldn't. I couldn't not like something more. Um, Kawhi, the only way Harden wins MVP is if he does get traded to Philly and then they win 60 games or yeah, some crazy like that. I agree with you. Um, but the media still won't give it to him for forcing his way out. That's just how that'll work. Um, Kawhi Leonard is 9-1. to one. Kawhi Leonard does not play regular season games. We all, like, you. this is a regular season award. One of the reasons I like the younger people winning it is because you have to play a fuckload of games. You also have to be good. So Kawhi Leonard nine to one, I think that's a complete waste of money. Kevin Durant ten to one. Okay, there's some value here, like you were saying. I just don't know if he'll get enough. Um, I, I will tell you. So I have I have two. You already called out Embiid. Um, the other one that I could see, the other player I could see. That wins MVP, kind of out of left field, is Damian Lillard. He's 15 to 1. Portland, we both think, will be a top four team. Um, Dame really has been disrespected for the most part in mainstream media. Uh, He kind of, if he continues with that fuck you attitude, fuck you, pay me, um, I think that this could be a huge year for him, and I think Lillard could be a 28 to 30 point scorer a night in reality and and push us through. He's not old enough to where I turn the page on him. Damian Lillard, 15 to 1, is one that I have my eyes on and I really like. Um, I've got a little stat for you, actually, about Damian Lillard that I've been keeping in, in the tuck. But did you know that Damian Lillard 
last season finished in the top five in both points per game and assists per game. See, Not only was he filling it up, he was a top five passer in the league last season. So I think if if Portland can be successful, if they can maybe push it to a top three seed, you know, and, and have a few big games on national TV, then I could actually see what you're talking about here with Dame Lillard. So I've got Lillard, and then I'm just going to read off some names. You stop me if you think any of them you want to hear the their odds. Jokic? Mm, yes. 25 to 1. That's another good one. There's a world where Denver pushes for the number one seed because the Lakers are resting a lot yep. and Jokic is getting some buzz. I'm not that I'm not putting money on Jokic, but I'm not mad at it. All right, next. Uh and you have Tatum. No. Butler. No. I'm in a complete alignment. Now we're starting to get into the crazy odds. Fifty or more. Kyrie, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson. I'd say the most likely of that group to win MVP is probably going to be Zion, and that's that's if we get something that we've never even seen before right. from Zion this season, and they end up as a top five seed. Uh, but no, I'm good on all of those guys. Well, what's the odds on Zion? Just out of curiosity, fifty, fifty to one. Yep. Yeah, it's not happening. But he's probably got the best chance. I would love for Trey Young to win one, but. Uh, until he is at least competent on defense, it's not happening. Okay, now I'll throw out the kind of long shots, and then basically anyone who's not called out, there's no chance in hell. Um, Russell Westbrook at sixty to one. <laughs> Only because Russ already has an MVP, I'm gonna say that he's not going to win another one. But the narrative's there. The narrative is absolutely there, and if the success matches the narrative. It's not out of play. No. The, the narrative is there. MVP is more likely than the list of names you just gave me. Yep. Look, Westbrook's a fucking dog. What if he does a triple-double over here? And the, the Washington gets that fucking four seed like I'm telling everyone they're going to get. I still don't think he gets it. But but he'll have more buzz than the rest of them. You're right. Okay. Uh, I have no fucking clue. But the only reason why I want to bet on Westbrook. Okay. When I see disrespectful shit from bookmakers, it makes me go, okay, well, I, the value on this player is so good, I have to put something. Here's who Russell Westbrook is fucking sandwiched between. Zion and Ja. Zion has better odds than him. And then Ja Morant has the same odds. And that irritates me. And then Carl Anthony Towns is 70-1. to 1, And Devin Booker is 70-1. to 1. Russell Westbrook at 60-1 to 1 is a fucking crime. That's a crime, man. That's that is so fucking high up for a player that's still very productive. Like I don't know, you put yeah, Westbrook him... doesn't belong in that class that you just named with him. Yeah, uh, I think that if anything, Westbrook belongs in that Tatum range. Uh, what were the odds on Jason? Twenty five. Yeah, I mean, it, and even then, I feel like it might be a little disrespectful, but I like him better in that range than yeah. this range you're giving me now. If I put his name here, if I put his name in this group, which one feels right? I say Damian, Jason Tatum, Nikola Jokovic, um, Jokic, and uh, Russell Westbrook. Or I say uh, Zion Williamson, John Morant, Russell Westbrook, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. He doesn't belong no. in that second fucking group. No, no, definitely the first group. The second group sounds like guys who might win MVP in three years. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely the first group. Not who won the MVP three years ago. You know, Curry is 5-1. to one. It's been five years. 
Russell Westbrook just played with Harden, who we all admitted was a terrible matchup for the skills he has. He's with Bradley Beal, who can just spot up and shoot. He's with Scott Brooks again. I think the six to one just off the sixty to one just off principle makes sense. All right, let's continue. Let's Ben Simmons at one hundred and fifty to one. No chance off the injury. Paul George one hundred and fifty to one. That is so fucking funny. Um, when you look at the Clippers and you say, "Who did you get?" Okay, you have uh, Kawhi Leonard who's nine to one, and then Paul George who's one fifty to one. You know the bookies don't fucking lie. Meanwhile, the Lakers have James, uh, who LeBron James at seven to one. And fucking uh, Anthony Davis at seven to one. So when you talk about both the LA teams getting mercenaries to kind of prop their franchises up, one of them has two MVP leading candidates. The other one has one that is sitting with the likes of Bradley Beal, um, Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray, uh, Chris Paul, Pascal Siakam. Uh, you know. We're in the no man's land down here with Paul George. I will say Jamal Murray at 150 to one, maybe a little tasty. 150 to one. <laughs> All right, so I know that we're gonna do storylines that we're interested in a little later, but I'm gonna move that up real quick because go for it, Jamal Murray. Is there a chance that we get bubble Jamal Murray again? Because that's one of my most interesting stories for this season. Because if we're going to get bubble Jamal Murray, then this Nuggets team is a whole different beast. If we get Nugget Jamal Murray, he's winning MVP. Period. You you said 150 to 1? 150. That might be worth it just to throw a little something on there. 10 bucks on him. Nets you 1,500. Ten bucks. That is so fucking juicy, it's insane. See, my thing with Jamal Murray is that we, I mean, we've known that he's had potential, but, like, I feel like his potential just got unleashed out of nowhere, and that makes me wonder, like, is that sustainable? Is that just, did he just get hot? Or is this now Jamal Murray? I think this is Jamal Murray. He still had a level to get to. Did he get to it? I think he did. I think the bubble unlocked certain things for Luka and Jamal Murray. And the Lakers, honestly. I think some teams that are... And the and Miami Heat. These, these teams and players that are able to look inward and draw strength from themselves and overcome obstacles using only the means provided to them and, and not support from... And, and I'm not knocking people for saying, hey, it's tough to survive and, and be successful without my support around me. I'm not saying that makes you a lesser player. I'm saying that I believe that that bubble is going to make a couple people believe more in themselves and realize that the success that they've had is because of them. And I think Murray is one of those people that, you know, that's why, you know, we talk about it. What Murray did in the bubble was crazy. You know, Luka at four to one is up there because of what he did in the bubble as well. We, we can we can agree on that, right? Not that he's not a great player, but what he did in the bubble really put him on the map. Oh, 100 percent. I don't think that can be debated. And yet Murray overcame the Clippers. Now, better better surrounding cast, and maybe if Porzingis stays healthy, Mavericks do as well. But Murray overcomes the same obstacles. Down 3-1 as well. Same team. And yet wins and is 150-1. to 
And and look, Jokic was a beast, and maybe that's what hurts him, is you go, well, you know, Jokic is also a beast, so they'll eat each other. But we're not talking about that with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They're both on the same fucking team. They're both 7-1. Jamal yeah, Murray man, I, off 150. if you're giving me 150-1 to one for someone who was arguably the playoff MVP, I think I got to throw something on there. I, I think that, to me... That's my ultimate dark horse. I do love Embiid at twenty-five to one. I fucking love Embiid at twenty-five to one. I just don't know if this is the year he gets fully healthy. Doc Rivers is a player's coach, so maybe it could fucking happen. There's a lot there. I'm not taking any of the front runners this year. I'm not taking Luca, Giannis, Steph, LeBron, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. Those guys are off my board because the seventy-two games and. All the weirdness that's going to be with what stadiums have fans and what stadiums don't and travel and COVID. And don't forget that they could still get COVID and be out for two weeks. And if you lose two weeks in this NBA season, you may lose seven games. If you lose seven games this year at a 72-game schedule, you can only play 65. And you're not going to play all 72 to begin with, so you're most likely capping yourself at 60. And that's what, like 18% of the season, you're just not going to play? You're not leaving yourself a lot of room. That's why I am fading all of the favorites, and I am going to look in the back burner and say, what have we missed? Who has a good line? My bucket of players that I'm taking, I'm taking Joel fucking Embiid. I am taking Damian Lillard, and I'm taking Jamal Murray in a package. I'm going to put 100 on each. I like that. I like that, especially the Dame Lillard. I feel like the the narrative is already set for Dame. We he's been getting a little more buzz lately. I feel like every year that goes by, Dame gets a little more attention than he did the year before. Yep. All we need is for him to have that monster 33, 34 point per game season that he's absolutely capable of, and for the Blazers to be in the top half of the West. I I really like that actually. That's a good sleeper. So that's that's where I am. Let's let's flip. And any other thoughts on MVP before we flip over? No, no, I think I'm with you. I don't really like the favorites. I don't like Luca to win it. I don't like Giannis to win it. Uh, Luca definitely has some MVPs in his future. I just don't think that this is going to be the year for it. Yep. So yeah, I, I think we're in alignment. Let's let's turn over to one that's a little less. This is the NBA scoring title. Um, this is where Steph Curry runs away with this award. To me, this is where you bet Steph. Not MVP, not anything else. Steph Curry is two and a half to one to win the scoring title. When I look at what he's going to have to do, he's going to have to average 30 plus a night easy. And he probably can. So what's him from, here are the other players. James Harden, who is going to drop off the board here. Giannis, Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Joel Embiid. I'm thinking of a combo play of Steph Curry at two and a half to one and Bradley Beal at twelve to one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about the scoring title here. Yep. Damian Lillard wasn't one of those names. Well, isn't one of the top 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 players? Let me see where he is. Uh, this is kind of a weirder weirder Only odds. Only one person in the league scored more points than Damian Lillard last Whew. season, and that was James Harden. True. So. 
That's what fucking... are the odds that he wins the scoring title? Let me take a look. NBA championship odds. I only had the top vote getters, so let me NBA While futures. While you look at that, I'll read you the list of the top five from last season. Okay. So last year, far and away, the scoring title goes to James Harden. He was a good almost 400 points against sec- or above second place in points. Uh, number two goes to Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard had a good about a hundred point lead on third place who was Devin Booker uh, Devin Booker just barely squeaked by Giannis and surprisingly to round out the top five Trey Young was fifth in the league in points scored last season well I can't find this live update now so that was a fucking flub I wish I could find it all right but let's talk about it if you can find it in your sports book Dame Lillard continue to push. Steph Curry continue to push. Any other names that you would keep an eye on for the scoring title? I would keep an eye on Devin Booker. I think Devin okay. Booker okay. has to do a little less creating this season because he has Chris Paul. He won't have to worry about playmaking as much as maybe he had to last season. Uh, and so if if he's getting set up for great looks and you know that he can create off the dribble and create off the isolation, I think Devin Booker is someone that we really need to keep an eye on other than Dame Lillard and Harden because I, I do expect Harden and Dame Lillard to be at the top of this list again. All right. Let's pass along there. That was a, I, I, I refreshed the page with the odds and now they're gone and I can't find the link again. So uh, let's flip over to Coach of the Year little more stable and this i have a full slew of odds in front of me um the run through last couple years here here are the last coach of the year right uh 2016-17 mike d'antoni houston rockets 17-18 dwayne casey toronto raptors then fired which was an interesting call i actually uh one of my friends at the time uh called that dwayne casey would get the coach of the year and then get fired which was really funny when it happened 1819's Mike Budenholzer, Milwaukee Bucks. 1920, Nick Nurse, Toronto Raptors. So that's where we're looking. Remember, the coach of the year doesn't necessarily have to have a great team, or uh, I, I would say they just have to overachieve in the media's eyes, not in the team's eyes, as case in point by three years ago, Dwayne Casey getting coach of the year from the Raptors and was let go. So, you know, Mike Budenholzer wins coach of the year with Atlanta. And then ends up in Milwaukee where he wins it in 18 and 19. So coach of the year doesn't always mean best coach. It normally means the media thinks you did better than they thought you would do. Um, That's not necessarily how well your team thinks you would do. So let's walk through some of the odds. And you stop me when you hear something that you like. Steve Nash, 9 to 1. Steve Nash is one of the names that I wrote down here on my top three for coach of the year okay I don't know what Steve Nash is going to look like as a coach I don't know what kind of concepts he believes in I don't know what kind of style they're going to run but what I do know is if the Nets are good and the Nets are competitive the media is going to be giving Steve Nash a whole lot of hype for controlling the egos and you know how that's going to go I, so I yeah. do like the odds on Steve Nash. He's one of the three names I had written down here. My biggest problem with Steve Nash is Kyrie. It's going to be a tough narrative to drive. Uh, also, first-year coach being the favorite here just smells like a red herring. I'm like, you guys are trying to get me to bet this. And, and because Coach of the Year is so hard and subjective to figure out, there are no coaches with a better odds than 9-1. to Steve Nash is 9-1, to number one. Um Here's the, here's the top next two. Eric Spolstra, Miami. 
Brad Stevens, Boston. I don't like Stevens at all to win this. They're a worse team. I, I he's twelve to one. I don't like that at all. I don't like either of them to win. Okay, neither do I. This season, and neither I mean, I. I love Spolstra, but I feel yep. like Spolstra is more of a playoff coach than a regular season coach. You know, I agree. Spolstra is great when he can dig into the tape and find the weakness and create, you know, the defensive scheme to stop you and yada yada. Uh, uh, Spolstra is not that regular season. We're gonna go, you know, win sixty-five out of seventy-two games. He's not that guy. Okay. Where's my boy Frank Vogel in this? Uh, he's next. Frank Vogel is also twelve to one with the Lakers. Okay, you like Frankie? That is who I like personally. If yeah. I'm putting my money on, and I know that I probably sound like I have some Lakers Homer goggles on right you? now. You? No way. <laughs> but I'm saying this team is probably going to be the best team in the league, and while they're the best team in the league, they're also probably going to be watched the most out of anyone in the league because the Lakers are just that team that gets all the national media or national uh, national games. So I mean, if you're going to have one of the best teams that's being watched by everyone, that to me, it kind of points to where these media-driven awards are going to go. And I expect the Lakers to be far and away the best team in the NBA this season. Therefore, I think Vogel might, should get the most love. Uh, and I do like him at the top. I just think with Anthony Davis and LeBron James getting MVP. I want to know the, uh, you know, how often it happens. We obviously had it with Budenholzer, but how often it happens that you win MVP and then have Coach of the Year? I feel like they're they're a little normally they're distinct but we'll see um rick carlisle's 14 to 1 tyron lou is 14 to 1 monty williams is 14 to 1 i actually don't like any of them to win coach of the year so uh, unless there's something on there i'll keep reading down the list no i mean the suns if the suns do something that we're not expecting and you know a n booker and paul ascend to the top of the west then I could see Monty Williams getting the hype, and it would be deserved at that point. But no, I, I wouldn't actually be putting any of my money on them. So then you have Is Mike Malone not getting any love here. You have Mike Malone. You are right above it every time. Mike Malone is sixteen to one in Denver. I feel like his odds should be a little better because I, Denver has a shot to be a top three seed in the league. Yep. So why isn't Malone getting any love? Because for as much talent as they do have, let's not act like Jokic and Murray are, you know, LeBron and AD. Right. Still making things shake with that roster. So I think Malone should definitely, he's deserving of more attention. So you have a couple people around him. Doc Rivers, I don't think he can get it. Lloyd Pierce and ATL. Nate, uh, Nate Bjorken, Bjorkgren, Bjorkgren. And Indy, no chance. I don't know who that is. What Indy, is that? Indy, no chance. Okay. Uh, I didn't even know that they changed coaches. Who the, who the hell is that guy? I, I don't know. I do not know. Um, okay. Uh, looks like a Eastern European name. Western European name. No, Eastern, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's generalizing. Um, let, I'm going to read through a couple other names that I don't really think are important. It's kind of funny to me. Here you go. Ready? Uh, Billy Donovan, Ryan Saunders, James Borrego. Uh, that would be Charlotte, Minnesota, Chicago. Sandwiched in between all of those guys. And Dwayne Casey, who's in Detroit. Taylor Jenkins, who's in Memphis. Okay, sandwiched in between all those teams. And all those teams have one thing in common. They're rebuilding or bad. Okay, like, they're probably both. Uh, Chicago, Minnesota, Charlotte, Detroit, Memphis. Right? You're like, what the shit? Sandwiched in between all those coaches is Quinn Snyder. 
which is really funny because they're a playoff team every year, and they just have him like, oh, he's the elf on the shelf with surrounded by everyone else who who is a nobody. It's it. I think it's it's disrespectful, but it it, it was they funny. They kind of disrespect him on that. They did. Okay, let's go to the bottom of the list here. Here are the bottom. See if tell me if you can guess. Okay, tell me you're gonna love this. The bottom three coaches for coach of the year. You want me to guess? Try to guess it. And I'll tell you this. It is not difficult. You know all of these names incredibly well. Oh, man. You know them incredibly well. Like, if I have to say one of them out loud, you're going to be like, what the fuck? You know all... Huh? Luke Walton? No, he's not at the bottom. Uh... Yeah. This is... I'll I'll give you... Tom Thibodeau is is tied with these other th- two coaches, but he is technically listed last. So you are right. Tom Thibodeau, it, that's the he is ranked as the least likely. The, <laughs> All right, the, give me the other two. The other two have the most rings combined. Steve oh, wow. Kerr and Pop and Pop. Yeah, they're not winning. They're not. I know, but it's funny. Um, they're both fifty to one. There's a lot of coaches fifty one. Let me tell, let me give you a, a dark horse. If you like that, you like a dark horse that's going to give you ability the entire year. Okay, ready? Scott Brooks is fifty to one, and if Washington ends up with that four seed, like I'm telling everyone they're going to get, he is going to get votes. Period. If Washington is a top team in the East, they will get votes. And 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 it's going to be tough to say that anyone else should be able to should be in that spot for coach of the year. Scott Brooks, fifty to one. That's my fucking guy. Man, you are driving. You are the driver of the Washington Wizards hype train right now. And I, as much as I want to push back after seeing what you did with the with the Miami Dolphins, I'm kind of. I'm going to be reserved here and say you might be right. I, I'm just going to sit back and watch Washington. Yeah, watch Washington, which is something that most people aren't haven't been subjective to. I just really look at uh, what Russell Westbrook brings. Um, sorry. Um, what Russell Westbrook brings to the table. And, uh, you know, I just think he's a great regular season player who fills up stat sheets, and, and I think that counts a lot. And I think they've got – last year they had one of the highest scoring teams in the NBA. I think they're continuing to put points on the board, and that's going to make them competitive in the East. Um, they, they have a lot of big gaping holes, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm transfixed on them. All right. You know, one thing about Washington before we do move on, yep. they, uh, they have a rookie. And I, I really wish that I could say his name, um, but they have a rookie. And I was watching them the other day. I think his name's uh, Danny Advila. Uh, let me look it up. I don't want to butcher it too bad. Uh, but I was watching their preseason game the other night, and this dude didn't miss a shot, like, yep. at all. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he shot 100%, and he's supposed to be a Euro combo forward that just came over. And, uh, and he was looking pretty good. What's his name? Uh, let's see. Danny, I, I, I got it almost right. Danny Ad, Adja, Adija? I don't know how to say his name. 
<laughs> you know who I'm talking about. He's yeah. a young combo forward, and he shot 100 percent in the game. I was watching, and looked like he would be a good fit next to next to Beal and and Westbrook, another shooter, another playmaker that's going to give them some minutes. So they have potential. Yeah, look, I, I am. When they crash and burn, I will have no problem walking away from that car. Um, but when they're glorious, I'm going to pretend like that was never my mindset and I was locked in the entire way. So um, I, I am I am banging that. I'm tooting that horn. I'm banging that drum. So let's go over to the last bit that I want to cover uh, for a betting perspective. And then we'll talk about some headlines. Okay. NBA over-unders. Now, remember, there are 72 games this year. 72. So you will not get wins um, more than that, and you have to keep that in mind. Uh, we are in an interesting world here, so let's walk through some that I think I think are low-hanging fruit that we should be taking, taking a look at um, and, and, and picking through. So let's start with let us start with the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm not going to go through everyone. I'm just going to breed out ones that I think have opportunity or interesting. The Brooklyn Nets, 45 and a half. 45, which would mean that they, for reference point, the Boston Celtics are 45 and a half. So they believe them to finish right around the top of the East. Uh, a good chunk of wins. Um, that means they would have to go, what is that, 45 to get to 72. They would go 45 and 27. So 45 and 27. Brooklyn, what do you think on that? Mm, I am going to go over. Over I 45. Think, yes, I think that this season, for as much as we talk about how they're probably going to rest Kyrie and rest KD, and we might not see the full team until the playoffs and this, that, and the other, I actually think that after KD missed 552 days of NBA action, I don't think he's going to be trying to miss that many games. Okay. Uh, now, I, I do think that he's going to get his rest when he needs it. He may not play every back-to-back. He definitely won't be playing all three games of a back-to-back-to-back if they have any of those this season. But I think that he's going to play the majority of the games. I think that Kyrie is also going to be playing the majority of the games because these guys have been waiting over a year to play together. So I, I think that they're going to be out there playing together. Right. And if they are, I, I like them to go over 45 wins. Is that what you said? Yep. I'm tentative yeah. on this. If I had to pick, I'd go over as well because I love their depth. I think this is one right. of the deepest teams in the NBA. Uh, yeah. How I feel is that if, if you're going to tell me that they stay healthy this year, forget rest. If you tell me that they're going to stay healthy this year, then I like the over. Okay. The only reason I have to say that it might go under that is if one of those two guys gets hurt. Here's a tough one for you. Charlotte Hornets, 26 and a half. Sheesh, 26 and a half. It seems low, doesn't it? It does seem low. Last season, they finished with 23 wins. I think that they got better. I'm going to go over. Going to go over. Over 26. Um, one sec, writing it down. 20. They were 23 and 42 last season. Yep. So I'm going to assume that they could get five more games with Gordon Hayward, with LaMelo Ball, and with some development from the young guys they're carrying over. Um, I'm I'm going to take uh, the over as well. I, I think they could end up with 27, 28. So I'm, I'm 
and I know that's a tight margin, but that's what we're talking about. So right, and um, we had them fighting for that playing tournament. Yep. So I mean, they got to get over twenty-seven if they want to be in that. Here's one: Chicago Bulls are thirty. Why am I not pounding the under into oblivion there? I think you should be. I mean, they did get Billy Donovan from OKC, so maybe the coaching will be a little better. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, they they have some young guys over there. I really like Kobe White. He's one of the guys that I want to keep an eye on this season. I'm probably going to be watching more League Pass than the average non-Bulls fan just because I think that he has a lot of potential. But this roster... They need help. It's really Zach Levine and a bunch of eh. Yeah. Unless Kobe White develops, unless Wendell Carter develops, unless Laurie Markkinen develops. But that's a lot of unless. Yeah. So, yeah, I would go under. Yeah, so I'm going under as well. Under 30. Uh, next one I have on my list that I think is a little interesting. Um, the Golden State Warriors at 39. That would make them a playoff team. That would make them above 500. 39 is above 500. Oh, man. You hit me with a tough one right there. I 39. Think out of almost all of them that I read through, Golden State being 39 is is like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I mean, we don't have them in the playoffs. If we don't have them in the playoffs, then they're under 39. That's simple. Now, when you see that 39 and you go, oh, that's tough for me to pick, then you reevaluate your list on where you have a 1 through 8. I am going under 39. I might have to reevaluate my list because <laughs> if 39 is going to get you in, do I think if healthy Golden State can win 40 out of 72 games? I kind of do. There you go. Then you got them in the playoffs. And now the West gets a little fuller. I guess I got to kick the Jazz out. Yep. <laughs> right. And that's tough. So just for reference here, the, the Utah Jazz, they are set to be 43 so then you would like the utah jazz under yeah i guess i would and that's just it's not even their fault no it's just really the rest of the conference getting better but it's just math you know right i guess it's just the math damn i'm sorry utah yeah utah's (laughs) out i do believe in them but if you're gonna ask me if i think golden state is gonna win 39 games i do and if that's going to knock someone out the playoffs, then I guess the Jazz are just a, they just get the shit end of the stick. So then uh, another interesting one right below them, the Houston Rockets are 41 and a half. I am going to just say that the turmoil and the weird season, that's, to me, that's an easy fruit I'm going under. If Harden stays there for the entire season and actually plays basketball, I have them Maybe getting right to that number. Yep. Maybe over by a game or two. If Harden gets traded, under. Super under. So that's where I go, look, you take the under here at 41 and a half. If everything works out for Houston, they're probably around a 41-43 win team. So if everything works out, that means John Wall's healthy. Boogie is some shell of himself, you know, he's a part of himself. This is the team you think you have. If any of that doesn't happen, John Wall can't make it work. Boogie turns out to be a shell, which we've seen in the past from players of his size with that injury. And James Harden just isn't engaged, plus a new coach that where things don't quite gel. You really don't have a ton of downside here. Taking the under is a safe play. Now, could it not happen? Sure. But we just went through all the scenarios of what has to happen to get there. All I need is one of those pieces to fall out of place for them to not get it. 
So I like Houston yeah, under 41 and a half. That's probably the smart play because, it, like you say, in a perfect world, they might get to that number. And this season doesn't look like it's going to be perfect for them. Nope. Um, run through Lakers and Clippers are 47, 48. I don't have any interest in either of those. Do you? Uh, no, I don't have any interest yeah. in those. You keep going. Um, here's one. Indiana Pacers, 39 and a half. Why am I not pounding the under here? Uh, they were 45 and 28 last season. Uh, I, I think they essentially have the same team, except now they're going to finish the season or start the season with healthy Oladipo. Yeah. I just uh, don't like them for some reason. I don't like them either, but I also don't feel like this is a safe bet to go either way on because this team, for some reason, they do win games when they're healthy and they're clicking. So I, I think this is a stay away for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't away. know what it is with Oladipo and the Holiday Brothers and uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Like, they just win games, and it's never pretty, and you never actually want to watch it, but they they get wins. Yeah. Shout out TJ Warren, the bubble god. Matter of fact, if TJ Warren gives us bubble TJ Warren, they're going over. All right, next team. Um, let's slide on down. Uh, I don't really have anything with the Heat or the Bucks. Um, Minnesota, I don't really care about Pelicans, Knicks, Thunder. Uh, so let's slide down. You have this team pretty high up, the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. 43.5. You have to love that over then. Over. Okay. Yeah, over. In 73 games last season, they went 43-30. and 30. I think that they did a good job around the edges of their roster. They yep. added some shooting. They added some playmaking. They desperately needed that and probably upgraded the coaching. Uh, I know Doc Rivers isn't the best coach in the league, but I think that that is definitely an upgrade. Um, and so, yeah, if they won 43 games, 43 out of 73 games last season, and I think that they got better across the board and Ben Simmons is healthy, yeah, I got them going over. Okay, I agree with you. Forty-three, knock it down. You know, can I let's pause real quick? Last season, you were a big fan of Philly. You 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 were a big believer in Philly. You didn't really want to hop off of that train until you absolutely had to. And this season, I feel like we're almost we flip roles. Last season, I wasn't big on Philly. This season, I am big on Philly, and I feel like you're not as big on Philly. So, what, what changed for you? Um. Well, they got rid of everything that I I didn't like. I just believe that there's there's still more pieces to move. I am big on Philly. I really like Embiid. Okay, um, so you're still on. I'm still on. I just I, I don't like Embiid and Simmons. And as long as they're together, um, as long as they're together, we're we're better off. Like, uh, I mean, sorry. As long as they're together, I don't like them. They use too much of the same space. They have too many of the same skills when it comes to where they can score. Until they separate those two, I'm going to be a little hesitant. Um, and now if Ben Simmons starts shooting the ball, different story. But it's weird and beads the one shooting the ball. And I'm like, you should never fucking shoot the ball. You know, every once in a while you should pop up for a three just to let people know you can do it. But it should be rare. Ben Simmons, you need to be shooting the fucking ball. Until they do that, um, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I, I'll have problems. I want to see what Doc Rivers plans on doing specifically with that issue of Embiid shooting more than Simmons. I think at this point, 
I think we're past the point where we can kind of hope, oh, maybe this is the year for Ben Simmons. I just think that this guy's not going to take any jumpers. That's just what it is. Uh, but when it comes to Embiid, I feel like I heard an interview at some point last season where he's saying, like, hey, I don't want to take five threes a game. I want to dominate in the post. However, our scheme and our coaching dictates that I need to take a couple of these threes. So I'm taking a couple of these threes. I kind of want to see how Doc Rivers handles that situation because Embiid said before that he doesn't really have much interest in being out on the perimeter shooting, but that's what the roster dictates. Uh, that's a, a big storyline for me. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of where I'm like Doc Rivers taking over gives them a boost. Do we do we get the full circle? And that's why I think if you could move Simmons off the team, keep Harris, keep Embiid, I'd be happy or get another superstar to fill in. They just need more spacing. Um, all right, let's flip down. New Orleans Pelicans, 35 and a half. Anything there? I'm not touching that. 35 and a half? I... In 72 games last year, they won 30 games. Do I think that they got better? Yes, because I think Brandon Ingram will be better, and I think Zion will be better. They're going to miss Drew Holiday, but overall I think you might get more out of this roster this year. They got new coaching, so no, I'm going under. I'm going under, but I don't feel great about going under. I think that they could get to 35. Yep. What do you think about New Orleans? Are you with me on the under? Because I feel like you upgrade coaching. Your number one pick continues to develop. Uh, the guy that you traded for, who was a former number two pick, looks like he might be worth the max extension that you just gave him. So why are we saying that they can't get five more wins? No, I think they can. I just I I, I think when you look at the team, you lost Drew Holiday. And now you're wondering, you know, what this team's going to turn into. And yeah, I, I like Stan Van Gundy, though, and I feel like Stan Van Gundy might be able to get more out of this team than what Alvin Gentry was getting out of them. Yeah, I can agree to that. I, I think that they can give you more. I think he can give you more. I, OK, so here's a question. How many all stars are on that team? Mm, two, two potential, two potential. All-stars. Who are they? Ingram and, and Zion? Ingram and Zion. OK, yeah. the problem with that is when you. All right, so let's continue down the list here for some other ones that are a little interesting. Uh, we already talked about um, Lakers, Clippers, kind of in the middle of no man's land. As we get to the bottom of this list, we talk about the Pelicans over 35 and a half. Uh, how about, hmm, this is kind of interesting. Uh, is this the year the Thunder completely fall into oblivion? They're over unders 24. What if they're like 12 and 60? I mean, it's certainly possible. They lost Chris Paul. They lose Gallo. Those are you they know, lose pretty big pieces of their offense. Schroeder. And they also lose Schroeder. And they pick up Al Horford. Okay. They pick up Trevor Ariza. Ugh. George Hill. They're going to trade this, all those this pieces. Be a lottery team, in all honesty. They're going to trade all those pieces, by the way. They didn't accumulate a bunch of pieces that people would want on a championship team. Not to trade them. This is a full tank job. Uh, over 24, I'm going under. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. This team doesn't really have anything that it can stand on. So, uh, I mean, I love Shea Gilgis Alexander, but yep. he's not about to carry the franchise to the playoffs. So, yeah, I think under. So you lose one of your top scores in Shea. You lose your top, 
not Shea, uh, Schroeder, Schroeder. You lose your top field general in CP3. And you get Al Horford back, who, if you honestly, I think they have Al Horford to wait to see which team gets towards the playoffs and goes, I need a big man. And I need him badly. And right, I think there's right. going to be a lot of teams that are looking for that. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know how the contracts work, but I don't know if Horford could end up on uh, Golden State for a push because they, well, they do have Wiseman, so maybe maybe they avoid that. But I, I don't know. I think when you look at Trevor Reza, um, Al Horford, these are pieces that they're going to move. I love the under twenty four. All right, let's uh, let's. And, and- they also lose Steven Adams. Uh, yep. I didn't want to skip by that one yeah. because he might not be the, the flashy, pretty name, but he did a lot for them he in terms a of lot. rebounding defense, setting screens, so they're going to miss him a lot too. All right. Uh, I have two more on my list. Uh, we, we talked about this. The Utah Jazz at 43, you now have to have them under. I guess I have to. I don't really have much of a choice given yeah. how the rest of the predictions shook out. I'm going to go under, and not through any fault of their own. They essentially have the same team that they trotted in the last season, which was good for 44 wins. Uh, but, no, nah, I'm just good on the Jazz. Yeah. Maybe that's me just not liking the Jazz and punishing them for that. But I think the West might be too strong this year. I could see them fighting for a playoff and losing, uh, but I think that the Jazz are going to be in the bottom half of the West for sure. Okay, last one for me. Washington Wizards over 33 and a half. You go first. I did. Over. 33 and a half. Done. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> it was my statement. Done. Over. Uh, 33 and a half. 33 wins would put them right around Orlando Magic territory from last year. I definitely think with Westbrook, with Beal fully healthy, with Rui Hachimura, and the rest of the pieces that they have over there, that they can at least be as good as the Magic were last season. So I'm going to go over. Yeah. I don't have them at the number four seed like you do. But I do think that they'll be a playoff team, thus making me almost have to say that they'll be over 33 wins. 33. Okay. Any other team you want to talk about? Ones we cover. We covered Brooklyn, Chicago, um, who? Golden State, Houston, Philly, um, Utah, Washington. Uh, we also covered uh, a couple teams that we think are just complete stayaways. Um, Chicago Bulls, we covered with an under at 30. Um, all right. I, I do have a couple of things that I, I, I'm looking for this season. Well, actually, one yeah. main thing that I'm looking for going into this season, and that's the development of the young guys. Uh, I think that there's a lot of young talent that's getting ready to blossom in the league. So this season, I, I'm really focusing in on John Morant. I want to see you know, if he can take the next level to go from nice young player to truly dominant player. Uh, you've seen flashes from John Morant in the, in the preseason and towards the end of last season. I just want to see if he can kick that up another gear to the next level. Obviously, we have Luka Doncic. He's already a solidified star in the league, but I kind of want to see if he has another level to get to or if he's kind of topped out where he's at. Um, we touched on Kobe in Chicago. He's a, another explosive young point guard that I think has a high ceiling. We're going to see if he can reach that ceiling. Uh, and let's see, I have at least one more here. Uh, of course, Jason Tatum. <laughs> I want to see Tatum is still only, what, 22 years old. I want to see if he can take the next step. I think we've seen a lot of his scoring. We've seen a lot of his prowess to, to put the ball in the hoop. 
But if they're truly going to be a dominant team, if Boston's going to be a force in the East, Jason Tatum needs to step up a little more when it comes to playmaking, rebounding, you know, the other things that don't involve putting the ball in the hoop. I just want to see if he can take a step forward there because Tatum has the potential to be the best player on a finals team, but he's got to kind of tighten things up around the edges to really be who Boston needs them to be. So there's just a few young players that I really am keeping a close eye on this season because they're the future of the league, and I just want to see who's going to be the next young man to ascend into that championship contention field. You know, I feel like most of the contenders right now are established players that we've been seeing for a while. We've been seeing Giannis for a minute, Jimmy Butler we, we've seen for a while, uh, Simmons and Embiid we've seen for a while. And I just want to see what this next class of stars is going to develop into this season. Yep. I, I, look, I, I, that's kind of what I was saying when I'm looking at, you know, not only are we, well, two things. One, I think this year's draft was kind of a, I don't know, have, have we seen, we haven't seen a game changer. I mean, Zion Williamson, we're, we're pretty sure is going to be kind of that uh, golden pony, but um, I, I think we're we're kind of waiting to see who jumps out. Um, we saw Shea, we saw uh, Ja Morant. Um, out of this draft class from this year, I'm really interested to see who kind of takes up the mantle and, and joins them. There's always a couple that pop up, um, but I don't. Have you gotten to see Lamelo Ball at all, like even on YouTube or Twitter or anything I, like that? You know, he just reminds me of his brother, like almost to a T. He can't shoot. He's incredible field vision. Athletic. He's. I think he's bigger than his brother, right? So he'll have more rebounds. He seems to be. He seems to be a cerebral player. My problem is, if you can't shoot, I'm. I don't fucking care. Like you can be a great player. I'm not taking that away. Ben Simmons, right? But if you can't shoot, your ceiling is so fucking limited that it, you you can be a great player, sure, but. You know, that's my problem. He His passing looks incredible. His court vision looks incredible. His hand-eye coordination between shooting the ball into the hoop. Oh, what's he going to shoot this year? He's going to have a bunch of great highlights, but can't shoot. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to wait and see if, if he can shoot or not. We can't just peg him into the Lonzo Ball can't shoot category already. Um, I mean, I saw him hit at least one or two threes when I was watching them the other night. Uh, But like you say, I I don't want to disagree with you in that sense because if he can't put that ball in the hoop from deep, then it's really just going to be another Lonzo situation. But at six foot eight, 19 years old, he's got some amazing court vision in the the open break. I just think he's got the potential to be the best player selected in this last draft, and we knew that before the draft. But when you actually watch him, you can kind of see why people said that. I just think it's not going to be an immediate thing. Like, I I don't expect LaMelo Ball to set the league on fire year one. But in in watching him, he kind of looks like I see why he was the number three pick. That's what I'll say. And and maybe I'm late to this party because I didn't really – I'm not that into the international ball. I I don't care what he was doing in Australia or in America against subpar competition. So watching him in Charlotte in in these two preseason games is really my first real 
test or the the first barometer test for Lamelo Ball for me personally. And I just kind of I see I see what the people have been saying. That's all I want to say for now. Yep. And, and and I you know it's it's fun to get excited over him, and that's where I'll wait. I don't think it's kind of like uh, it's rare for your shooting to just explode. So um, as far as he goes and the year goes, that that's kind of what I'm going to have an eye on. How well does he shoot? That's my problem with New Orleans. You know, um, you do actually have some shooters now. So who's your big? <laughs> and, and and that's Stephen that, Adams. Steve. Oh, that's right. That's right. fucking right. So I mean, look, New Orleans could be the team that surprises everyone. Um, you know, and, and that, that, but that, God, that just, you know, the NBA's got a problem. They've got a lot of talented fucking teams. They got to do a better job of keeping players on teams. And, and look, let's flip to another headline for the year. What's the NBA doing to get its ratings back on track? You know, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be honest. People like rooting for teams. They love seeing players. But what really gets you fucking up in the morning is when your team does well. And the NBA is having an identity crisis. What are we? Are we players or are we teams? And when we take a look at the landscape, Russell Westbrook is an MVP who's now been traded to three different teams. That's crazy. It does not happen in other sports at all. Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard has moved around from one coast to the other coast, back to the other coast. Paul George has moved, you know, from one coast to the other coast. You are losing a lot of team identity in the NBA. Who's a rival anymore? The Lakers rivals the Celtics. That's it. You don't have rivals in the West. I would say that the Clippers and Lakers are probably <clears throat> the the best rivalry that we have right now. But that's not a good rivalry. It's one oh, team yeah. beating the shit out of the other one over and over again. That's the that's the same rivalry that the Ravens have to the Bengals. <laughs> it just is. It just is. One has won championships, represents well every single year. The other team doesn't. Now the Bengals aren't near don't have the ownership, so it's more like the Browns today. But that's it. You're just it's just not compelling. No one turns on the game to go, "Holy shit, what a rivalry game." You don't hear that ever in the NBA. And I think the NBA needs to figure out if they're going to promote their teams better or they're going to continue down this path. And if they continue down the path of promoting the players, they're going to see ratings completely fall off the table, unequivocally. And the reason why is, you know, you can get with an NBA season, it's like baseball. Why won't people watch baseball? Well, because I, you know, why I'm really into baseball, why I'm really into basketball, you know, I play fantasy basketball. I play same-day lineups. But I don't have to watch the game. I just look at the stats at the end of the night. I get on Twitter because Twitter's funny. But I don't, you know what I mean? Like, you're not eating the games like you would other, you know, in yesteryear. Because you really don't, you care about the Lakers, right? Um... But that's it. You know, you might put on a basketball game in the background, but you're not going to turn on a game and be like, holy shit, Boston and Philly have a fucking incredible heated rivalry that I just have to turn in. I personally would turn on the TV and say that, but I see what you mean. They're just, the fan bases don't hate each other or get worked up for it. You know? Right. I I mean, I think the NBA is pretty clearly a, a player's league, and I think that they... 
even back in the day when you had rivalries like Lakers Celtics that you know they kind of mask as a team rivalry it's really just a Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird rivalry you know and yes if, if fast forward you had the the Heat and Celtics they had their little rivalry about a decade ago that was really just a LeBron versus Paul Pierce Garnett and Allen rivalry which was you know, exciting I think at the NBA nobody's cheering for the for the laundry everyone's cheering for their favorite guy yeah, and the problem is when your favorite guy keeps moving teams, do you really care if that team wins or loses, or you just care that the player does well? See? No, you're really just cheering for your player. That's it. So now I don't give a fuck if the team wins. Now I just care that my player looks good. So now I don't even care. Like it's it, it, The NBA is getting to a point where the players move so much that – you're putting a product on the field that you're making everyone actually a number. You know, merchandise is probably up. Online clicks, you know, um, your, your interactions on, uh, on uh, talk radio are really high. Like, that's the thing. It generates a lot of buzz every single place other than actually the game. Because we don't actually give a fuck about the outcome. We just care about the stats. And we just care about how our player does. And I think that because we've moved away from the idea of a team basketball game, it's become less important. Hell, what do we talk about? How do we talk about teams? Do We we don't really talk about depth ever as a thing you need to build. What do we talk about? You need to get a star. You need to get two stars. You need to get three stars and put them together. And the rest of the team, what do we say about the rest of the team? We don't fucking care. Right, and I think it's just because the NBA is a league where if you have two or three guys, you're in contention. You know, in football, you have, at any given time, you have, what, 22 people on the field? Yep. So, I mean, if one or two are special, that's great, and they might make an impact, but they're not carrying the whole franchise. In basketball, two people can carry the whole franchise, and so that's where people's attentions are. You know, do we have two guys that can carry the franchise? Yes. Okay, I love those two guys. That's it. If one of them leaves, you move with them. It's right. a, it's a weird thing. I, I honestly think that what the NBA needs to do is like what baseball and NBA, NFL have done. And I think you need to break your conferences out a little different. I think right now you've got, what do you have? Uh, you have East, West, and then you've got Atlantic, Central, Southwest, Northwest, Pacific, Southwest. Okay, fuck off. No one even knows those. A casual NBA fan does not know that those even exist. They think it's just East and West. Why do you even break them down? You're not rivalry games. You either need to break these down and set them into going, look, 50% of your games are going to come from your division. 50% or, or 40%. And you're going to play them a lot. And these are the teams you're going to fucking hate. And if they suck, guess what? You get an easier path to the playoffs. You know, the other, the other sports don't worry about having a bad division. You know, the NFC East right now in the NFL doesn't have a team over 500. We are all compelled on who's going to win that though, right? We're not really crying about that a team that's not worthy is going to make it. We're excited about the Washington football team and now the Philadelphia Eagles. But their division games and who they play drum up a lot of that excitement. I hate the fucking Cowboys. You know, uh, people feel strongly about these teams that they've never really played. 
It's because these rivalries kind of pitch you into them. And you understand the rivalries when they play each other. I think the NBA needs to retool, drop their conferences down, make four, or I'd say go from go from six little divisions to four strong divisions and say, hey, what we're gonna do is the top two from each of the the top two from each of these go in, and then whoever has the better record out of these two and these two go in. So you've got you still keep your eight. And you can even add a play-in game. But make these teams play each other to develop chemistry against other teams. I want a team missing out on the playoffs because they're a good team, but they got buzzsawed because they had to play Milwaukee, Philly, and Boston. Okay, There is, com- there is a compelling nature to that. And I think that the NBA really lacks that identity. And they need to go back and look at the core function of playing division games and get that going. Because without that hatred towards a team, like I don't hate any NBA team right now. I hate a billion NFL teams and I hate a billion MLB teams. And I will watch them lose. <laughs> like it's fun to watch them fucking lose. Right. I think that that's kind of what their goal was with implementing the play in tournament and just drum up some excitement, yep. maybe build some rivalries, you know, have teams compete against each other for that last spot. But I do agree with you that they, they should probably look into changing something i don't know if expanding or making more divisions or you know i don't know what the answer is but i I agree with you that for the casual fan the nba needs to do a better job of keeping people engaged because like you say i see a million people talking about the nba on any given day but when you read what they're talking about you quickly realize oh you don't actually watch these games right (laughs) It, it, it is so rampant it's become so easy to talk about um you know, great example. I really thought that the NBA completely lost its way when Russell Westbrook won the MVP for having all those stats. There was just a real big part of it where you go, look, the, there's more to the numbers. And should he have gotten it? Sure. But we became obsessed with the stats then. And we really have never let that go. We just love these numbers. Oh, it's never been done. So I'll get off the soapbox. Any other headline you want to talk about before we get out of here? Mm, no, I think I'm okay. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting and in watching some preseason basketball over the weekend is that Giannis looks like he's taking a lot more jumpers than he has in the past. I don't know if it's just a, a preseason. I want to see where my progress is at thing or, or if it's a, hey, I'm comfortable with this shot and now I'm going to start taking it type of thing. What I can say is if, if he's comfortable taking the shots that I saw him taking the other night, I saw him against Dallas taking turnaround fadeaways in the post, a couple threes, some mid-range jumpers that actually looked confident, and a few of them went in. I remember texting a, one of my buddies and going, uh, Giannis has hit four jumpers in a row. I, I don't know what I'm watching right now. And I just think that, that that's my last point, is that if Giannis is going to start hitting jumpers at that kind of rate, you know, we don't need him to be Kevin Durant. We don't need him to be Steph Curry. If his jumper is respectable to where you need to go out and at least contest it, that's going to unlock a whole another level for the Bucks, a whole another level for Giannis, and maybe we need to be taking them a little more seriously. But just preseason, we're not going to put too much stock in it right now. Just watch. If you watch the Bucks at the beginning of the season, just watch Giannis and see if he's taking more jumpers than you're used to seeing him yeah. take. And look, there's a lot of young players still developing. We expect a lot out of these NBA players. Um, but, you know, you look at someone like Giannis and you go, hey, th- you know, these people haven't hit, <laughs> you know. Uh, Giannis when, just turned 26, I believe. Yeah, there's so it's like wrong. these people aren't 28. Like, you know, like 
where when we look at business we expect people to hit their best in the business world around like 35 to 40 and i get there's no athleticism there it's just brain but we're talking about that the brain has to develop take the game in you have to work you have to get off seasons these so much fucking young talent in the NBA that you're just looking. If any of them make the next step, you're going to have a, a – if Giannis starts shooting the ball well, super, super duper, uber star. Already a two-time MVP. Understand two-time MVP. He is a Hall of Fame player. So we're already dealing with a Hall of Fame player. If he can start shooting the ball, whew, watch out. Start working up right. that board of, of all-time greats. So, all right. Let's get out of here. Uh, looks like pandemic over the next couple months will be slowly crawling to an end. So everyone out there, stay safe, hunker down. You can find me, Pick and Play 37 on Twitter. Find Leo, Pick and Scroll. Uh, we will be bringing you an NFL pod later this week. We'll be starting to do, we'll be getting into one NFL, one NBA. And we, we love that. We love a full slate of stuff to talk about. We'll be breaking down. We will put our uh, MVP picks and everything online for people to take a look at. Um, and and as well as uh, the regular season bets we went through today. So stay safe. Remember, rate, subscribe, review. Reach out to us with any questions, comments, concern. Peace.